Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. Uh, this is Darren, and I'm going to go ahead and get straight into some news, uh, both some movie and TV news. But at the tail end of this episode, I've got a great interview with uh, writer-director Peter Mashara, who has an amazing documentary series out uh, called The Artists. I'm going to go into some I'm going to go into more detail on that later, um, but but definitely stick around so you can hear that interview. It's it's absolutely amazing. So this is episode 44, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and just get into it. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, if you go to superpoweredfancast.com, you can actually check out a brand new trailer for Solo, a Star Wars story that uh, was released last night. And it's it's actually like pretty cool. But there's some other news about uh, about the film that I want to talk about now. According to Deadline and other sources, now Solo, a Star Wars story, is going to debut at the Cannes Film Festival this year. It's going to be the third Star Wars film ever to be shown. Um, the first two being Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, and Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, and. Uh, can release an official statement, basically letting people know that the that the film was going to be uh, shown at shown at the festival. It's going to be shown at the the Grand Amphitheater Lumiere at the Palais de Festivals in Cannes. Cannes, Cannes. Sorry about that, but um, it's going to be uh, shown on May fifteenth ahead of its May twenty fifth release. In the states, but it actually is going to be released um, May twenty third in uh, in France. So that's going to be uh, two days before it's released in the U.S. Now, personally, I think this is a good move. I think if they go ahead and release the movie uh, early and let uh, international audiences see it, I think that'll go a long way toward giving some some really positive feedback and word of mouth on the movie. Because even though I've always had issues with the premise itself. I mean, it actually, the, the new trailer actually does look pretty good. So, I mean, far be it for me to, uh, to, you know, not go see a good movie just because I didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily on board in the beginning for it in the first place. Now, the next piece of uh, movie news is going to keep us in outer space. And this is actually going to be about, uh, it actually does kind of tie into Star Wars a little bit. Now, one of my favorite films growing up uh, was a movie that was released in 1984 called The Last Starfighter. It was released by Universal Pictures and it's got news that um, Gary Whitta, who was one of the writers of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, gave fans a preview on his uh, on his Twitter feed. If you go to at Gary Whitta at G-A-R-Y W-H-I-T-T-A uh, I think you still should be able to see the uh, the concept art, but he has. It looks like, uh, and according to, and I'm just going to go ahead and read what he says. Okay, probably shouldn't show you this so early, but here's a little something I've been tinkering on with my co-writer Jonathan Butel. You might recognize the ships thanks to the amazing Matt Alsop, lead concept artist on Rogue One, for creating these images for us. And the images he released are pictures of gun stars from the movie The Last Starfighter. So it looks like 
he's actually working on either a reboot or a remake of the last starfighter and i'm i'm just going to put it out there and say i'm i'm a huge fan of the original film always have been but i'm not one of these people that goes hey you know what they should never remake something i think that you can remake something especially if it wasn't necessarily a huge hit and i'm you know apologies to lance guest uh and i thought he was he was great but you know it's it's the difference between remaking a a movie that you know holds a special place in your heart and then remaking something that's you know that's some that's iconic like i can't i can't see anyone else playing uh playing indiana jones but again apologies to lance guest who played the role originally I can see someone taking the role of Alex Rogan. Either that or playing a completely different character. Now, if you don't know anything about the movie, uh, The Last Starter, Starfighter is about Alex Rogan, um, who's really good at playing video games. He lives in a trailer park uh, community, and he's you know constantly thinking about how to get out and wanting to leave. And He's really good at a video game called Starfighter, and it turns out that the game itself is an intergalactic test uh, used to train and recruit uh, the best uh, the best pilots in the galaxy to fight against the fight for the Star League against uh, Zor and the Conan Armada. Uh, it's you know it's it's kind of every kid's fantasy to you know especially a kid in the eighties you're good at video games and you get uh, plucked out of obscurity to be an intergalactic hero. That's that's every kid's dream. That's probably why the the movie resonates with so many of us from that time, and me especially. But again, I have absolutely no um, no qualms about them remaking the movie. As much as I as much as I love the original, I would kind of like to see a not necessarily a remake or a reboot, but kind of like a soft sequel where they have a new player, a new kid, and he he joins the the Star League, and he is apprenticed to Alex Rogan. And bring Lance Guest back and have him, and 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 have him play Alex Rogan and give us a new character and just kind of kind of meld the two movies together so that we know that there's been a continuity, that time has passed and that things have things have changed. And you know, give us a story rather than just kind of saying, hey, you know what disregard the original movie. We're going to just blow your mind with this whole new thing. I mean, that's, that's just my opinion. Now taking us from, uh, outer space back to earth. Um, it's been announced that, uh, Colin Trevorrow, who directed, uh, 2015's, um, Jurassic world, which is a reboot of the Jurassic park series from, uh, from Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg. So it looks like, uh, that Steven Spielberg during the, um, press for his, for his new film, ready player one, uh, told uh, told the press that Colin Trevorrow is going to return to direct the third film in that in that in that series with Spielberg coming back to produce. So it looks like uh, Trevorrow is going to like he's already directed Jurassic World, and J. A. Bayona has directed uh, Jurassic World: um, Fallen Kingdom, which comes out June twenty second. But it looks like that uh, Trevorrow is going to come back to direct the third. Jurassic World film, and this is an interesting development considering he he left the last he left Star Wars Episode Nine, 
So he left that project and JJ Abrams took over. So I don't know. Maybe it's the, it's, he did, he's going back to some familiar territory before he takes on something new. Who knows? But I'm interested. And the thing is, is that, uh, Jurassic World 3 already has a, a release date. Like it's set to be released, uh, June 11th of 2021. So we can look forward to that. Uh, the next bit of, of movie news I want to talk about is, a uh, an adaptation of Stephen King's The Tommyknockers. And this comes from Hollywood Reporter. Uh, is that um, James Wan, who's the uh, who was the the writer and, and director producer behind the Conjuring films, and he's teaming with one of the producers of it, Roy Lee, uh, to remake well to do a well remake to do an adaptation of the Tommyknockers uh, for the big screen. And uh, James Wan, coincidentally, is is also the director of Aquaman, which is which is coming out soon. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of people don't really know a lot about the Tommyknockers. I'm a I'm a fan. I've read the book, and what a lot of people don't know is that it's actually the second best selling Stephen King novel of all time. Like it actually beat It, Carrie, and The Shining in sales. So, I mean, if you if you get a chance, actually go ahead and, and read the book. It is absolutely worth reading. It's a good story. I mean, it's about a, I mean, it's about, I don't even want to tell you what the story is about. I really want you to go out and go out and read it and tell me what you thought. Like literally, like uh, you can contact me on Twitter at superpoweredfan or you can email me superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. Tell me what you thought of the Tommy Knockers if you haven't read it. Even if you have read it, tell me what you th- tell me what you think about it. What you think about them making a a big screen adaptation? So let's let's go ahead and get into uh, some quick TV news. And actually, kind of like all of the TV news is about like one network. We're just going to go ahead and, and and put it out there. Like all five DC Comics television series for the CW have been renewed for another season. So just for a quick rundown, so it looks like Arrow's going to be going into uh, season seven. So seventh season for Arrow. Uh, the Flash uh, is going to be going into its fifth season. Uh, Supergirl, uh, which moved from CBS after its first season to the CW, is going to get a fourth season. And hopefully this means we might get a return of uh, T- Tyler Hecklin as Superman. Just, you know, kind of give a, a contrast. Not that we, not that Supergirl, like Supergirl can ab- can absolutely hold her own as a character on the series without him. But it was a fun, uh, it was fun to see him on there. And I kind of would like to see him again. Um, Legends of Tomorrow, which is kind of on the bubble for a lot of people, is getting its fourth season. And what's interesting is that I reported on this <clears throat> earlier and like a, maybe a week or two ago. But um, Matt Ryan, who is who has come on to this to the show as John Constantine for the season finale, it was confirmed that he's going to be joining the series as a ser- as a regular in the fourth season if they got it. So it looks like they got their fourth season. This with the addition and the addition of Kenyon Lonsdale's uh, Kid Flash on the series. Um, means that uh, they're just kind of they're, they're moving forward and I kind of like that I want to see where that goes and uh, Black Lightning uh, Fred uh, who is which is going through its 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 freshman season right now in the CW is coming back for another season and I think uh, a lot of people 
are speculating then that that this means there's going to be a a deeper connection between Black Lightning and the Arrowverse. And, you know, as a, as a DC Comics fan, I kind of want to see that. But at the same time, I like the fact that Black Lightning stands on his own. But at the same time, now that you've got all of these shows together, I absolutely one of the biggest takeaways I took from the announcement is that there's going to be a a there has to be another multi-night multi-series crossover event and I want Black Lightning to be a part of it. So one of the things I really love about doing this is getting the chance to talk to uh creative people, like people who are in different industries who who use their their creative minds and and follow their passions and things like that. Recently, I talked to writer director Peter Mashara about a new project that he has uh, that he has completed uh, that combines two things that I absolutely love: uh, documentaries and video gaming. And this new series that he has it's it's ten uh, episodes called The Artists. It's on topic and I'm going to have links uh, on, I'm going to have the links to, to it in the, in the podcast description. I absolutely encourage everybody to check it out. It's a great series, but he gets to, he, he talks to uh, luminaries in the video game industry from the, the history of the video game industry itself. And he, and what's great about the series is that it's from the perspective of looking at video games as art, therefore looking at the designers and creators of video games as artists. Even if they don't see themselves as artists, they absolutely they absolutely are, in my opinion. And they're kind of shown in that light that that creativity, even if it's from a, a engineering perspective, still added a still added layers of art and beauty to the thing that they created. So he got to uh, speak with like Atari co-founder, uh, Nolan Bushnell. Um, he got to talk to, uh, John Romero, who is the, uh, the co-creator of doom. Uh, he got to talk to Alan Alcorn, the creator of Pong. So, I mean, he just, all of the, just all of the, the luminaries is these huge, uh, these, these huge names in the, in the history of video games. And he got to, uh, he got to to really showcase like their um, their history with the genre, their history with with gaming, their uh, their journeys, and it's absolutely worth seeing. And 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 uh, right now, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to uh, my interview with with Peter Mashara, and you let me know what you think. Hey, Darren, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm very, very good, man. Good to talk to you. I, uh, you know, this is the first press I'm doing for this thing, so I'm, uh, I'm honored to uh, talk to you today. So it's great. Uh, well, no pressure on me then. Um, but yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, I really do want to talk to you because I, I love the series, and I'm a, I'm a old, I'm literally an an old school video game uh, fanatic. So I just love that you. I love that you talked about so many uh, different aspects of the industry. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get my fanboy stuff out of the way uh, first. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. I, it's 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 great to get feedback. I've been working on this thing for you know like a year, year and a half, just just production, post production. So it's like an amazing feeling to sort of get it out there and sort of see how people respond to it. I've been like sort of anxious, and curious to see how people you know 
gamers and hard like old school you know heads like sort of respond to it and then like you know you know the newer generation so uh yeah it's exciting to get it out there you know what i mean absolutely so um for for those who aren't familiar um uh tell uh, tell us what the artists is about yeah absolutely so this is a it's interesting so it's it's a 10-part web series um and then i don't know if you know this either we're actually going to uh recut this as a feature as well but um it's a it's a piece a documentary piece that looks into the first three decades of uh video game history video game design um i think it's important to say i don't know the best way to say it but what what it's not it's not it's not a comprehensive history of, of video games basically i was trying to find stories that um sort of speak to video games as an art form and really investigate those and, and, and look at stories and games and personalities. Uh, so that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a documentary series that investigates uh, how video games are sort of an art form and, um, and yeah, and, and just the different people that were involved uh, in the first three decades of the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah, and that's one of the things I appreciated about it is because you you talked about the the documentary and it absolutely lends itself to a feature, just all ten parts. Like it it does tell an amazing narrative about the history of, of video games. And one of the things I loved is that it was from the point of view of video games as art, as the developers, as artists, as people, as creatives, and things like that. So that's. That's one of the things I appreciated about each episode was that it wasn't talking. It wasn't necessarily a a treatise on the technology. It was literally yeah. about the people. And I love that the first episode was about how the, the industry kind of kept them from being known as the artists that they were. Yeah, but it, 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 it sort of blows my mind that this hasn't been really investigated before. I mean, it, there's a lot of amazing writing on it, um, both online and in, in print form. But from a from sort of a video, uh, you know, moving pictures perspective, it it, it it blows my mind that it really hasn't been discussed. So, I mean, this is just maybe the first foray into you know investigating these things and and, and talking about these things, but. Um, yeah, I, I just thought I just saw there was like a really amazing opportunity to explore this world that I, you know up to this point I haven't seen anything that really sort of uh, investigates it. So um, that's not to say there's been some amazing video game documentaries, but in this particular aspect, video games as an art form, as, as an artistic sort of experience, and, and what that means and, and all of that. Um, so that's why I was excited to sort of delve in and work on it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why I, I got that as, as why my next question was like, was that perspective, was your perspective about the, the series, what kind of drew in people like Bushnell and, and others to, to talk about that time as, as, as freely as it, as they did? Yeah, I think, I think, you know what? I, I'll be honest. I think there's a lot of people. Old, old school people in the industry and, and new school people in the industry that welcome this discussion, that, that they want to talk about games on this level. Um, and, and the vast majority of people that, that we reached out to responded that way, that they were sort of excited that they could talk about it on this sort of thing. And what, what gets interesting is 
when you're talking about like the original, you know, core group of people that started started this industry, someone like a Bushnell or Alan Alcorn at, at, at Atari, mm-hmm. um, uh, they don't necessarily see it as as such. They don't see it, especially at, talking to Alan Alcorn, who, who um, designed the game Pong, uh, which was one, like, you know the first video game, the big first uh, big hit in, in the video game world. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees himself as, a, as an engineer. You know what I mean? We we had like a back and forth discussion. I was like, you know, there's an art to this. There's the art, the way that the ball ricochets off, you know, the, this this little line and, and bounces around. And he like, you know, I approach this from an engineering standpoint. So mm-hmm. it's also interesting to talk to these these people about how they consider themselves as artists or how they don't, or you know, what place they have in, in all of this. But for me personally, it's never been a sort of a question. It's, it's always been. I've always sort of seen these. You know these these games as as, a, as an art form and it's constantly evolving. It's been amazing sort of seeing this this journey over the past you know four four to five decades of it. Oh, absolutely. So, what if I if I may ask, like, what was your your personal journey uh, into video games? Like, uh, what uh, what what's your history with the with the medium, and and did that motivate you to choose this as a subject? Yeah, I you know I was I was lucky enough to get in uh, pretty early. You know I you know I'm a I'm a child of the '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of those guys that you know had those uh, you know coding books where you you know you type in like you know a hundred different you know uh, um, commands and then hit, you know hit enter and you play like this little quick game. I, I remember doing that with you know as as a little kid. I had a little Texas Instruments computer. Um, I didn't have the very early consoles. I didn't have like Atari, the 2600, uh, and television, that sort of thing. My era was really uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. That was like the first one that just blew my mind, mm-hmm. that just I connected with. Um, and shortly thereafter, uh, the Genesis were, were like huge, you know, in my youth and, and, and you know, experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And then I was also sort of really involved on the on the on the PC side of stuff and, and enjoying games that way. I was very lucky to have that that opportunity to, to sort of explore both. So it's it's always been a, a part of my life, uh, you know. Always sort of experimenting and and, and, and you know, uh, you know, up, up up until the present day. And and again, it's 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 I love seeing the way games have evolved and, and, and the experiences we have. Um, the other thing, too, I should say is I'm very much from a film background. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, I studied film. I've done a lot of stuff online for, you know, just narrative work, but documentary work as well. So, you know, as, as much as I'm a gaming guy, I, I also was really involved. You know, as, you know, I went to graduate school for film. Um, so that was always, a huge, you know, a huge part of my life as well. And what was interesting for me was, I would say the mid 2000s, early, you know, the early, you know, 20, you know, 10s. I, when I went to the movies, I had this really strange experience where, where movies were always moving me and, and like emotionally I was connecting with things. I started distancing myself a little bit from it, just from like an experiential standpoint. Like I do, I wasn't like connecting with films the way I did. Mm-hmm. And there was a series of games at that time that, 
I really started connecting, like the experiences that, or, or the way I respond to a film, I was starting to respond to in a video game. So, uh, you know, stuff like Shadow of the Colossus when that first came out, yeah. um, Red Dead Redemption uh, when that first came out. Uh, it, it's a sort of obvious one, but The Last of Us. But that experience yeah. was one that I was having, that I, I normally went with film. Now I was having with games, and I was like, why am I, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Like, you know, and, and that was sort of started me on this path, just, you know, questioning, you know, what is this experience like? Why am I having these sort of emotional sort of connections to these games um, in a way that is quite profound? So that, that's what sort of started me on this journey uh, with with this, this project. Well, that's awesome. And I can, I can definitely... Uh, I can definitely uh, see that in the film because I'm, like I said, I'm an old school like video game guy. So I, uh, my my mom was was a was in the computer. So we had a uh, we had the Apple II, and I played the the text based games, and then moved on to the yeah. to the twenty six hundred. So I, and you know, I've just continued to move on with that. So I'm, I was always interested in in hearing about the uh, the development of games and the creative side behind it. But I, uh, what I enjoyed is that your, is that your series talked again, talked about the art behind it, like put it in. And even if they, even if the guys who were developing it didn't necessarily see it that way at the time, like you, you can, you can appreciate that there's a, the, the narrative and the story part of those games. And so that's, that's one of the things why that I, that I truly enjoyed about the, the series as a whole. But then my question is like, okay, so, on that regard, like, how did you how did you choose the subjects you wanted to speak to, and were there like developers or artists that you that you wish you had you had gotten to to speak to during the process that you didn't? Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, let me just like real quick, like sort of the first part of what you're asking me. You know, coming from that film background, mm-hmm. uh, the way I sort of approached this thing was that. Um, you know, the way we approached these seminal films, like we talked to Scorsese about Taxi Driver and what the context of that was, what, you know, what was going on in, you know, Times Square in the 70s and, you know, what, you know, what, you know, what, how that film come to be. We really haven't done that with video games at all. Yeah. So to really talk about what the context of these games are, how they were created, who, what, what was the mindset, what was the approach. So I was sort of taking that from the film world and sort of applying to, to the video game world. Um, uh, the second part, or, or what you're asking about, is how you know what what were these stories? Like, how do we? How did I choose these stories? It was sort of an organic process. Um, there was a long list of sort of a wish list of, of games and people and things that I wanted to uh, discuss and approach. And I mean, quite honestly, these are, a lot of it was people responding to me and saying, "Yes, I want to be a part of this." and uh, sort of building the things around it. Some of the stories sort of developed organically out of the production process. Um, so there were key ones that I knew I absolutely wanted to get, and then there was a, there was a couple that sort of, uh, sort of just developed that way and how, how people responded to, uh, to the project. Um, and then the third part is, yes, there's, there's um, so many people that I would still love to talk to Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, off the top of my head, you know, wish list is uh, Roberta Williams, who 
who did all the you know the early Sierra adventure games. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to play those religiously. Now she's an interesting story because she's like completely divorced herself from interviews and, and talking about her past work, but that would be a huge one. And then a huge one for me, and I and this is still something I, I think I might explore is the Japanese side yeah. of the industry um, and talking to a lot. I mean, that's a huge whole. Quite, I mean, quite honestly, this project is, is, is sort of the, the Japanese industry and, and their voices and their approach. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that might be forthcoming. That might be season two. You, you never know. But uh, <laughs> that, oh. that, that'd be a huge one. It's oh, that'd be Japanese awesome. Japanese sort of world and, and exploring what that, what that would be. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome because I, like I said I loved the uh, loved a lot of the uh, the subject matter. I loved the the narrative through line. And one of my I'd say probably one of my my favorite episodes out of the out of the series is the one about uh, Danny Bunton. And it just oh, seemed right. oh yeah, it just seemed like such like a personal kind of story. It, it like even uh, like it had so many different so many different narrative elements that. That I enjoy. So, like, what drew you to to her story uh, specifically, and what would you like her story to say to fans, to both fans of video games and the industry itself? Well, I, I'm 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 very happy you responded to that one. I mean, for me, that probably is the most important episode for me to sort mm-hmm. of get out there that story and and her sort of life and, and, and approach to things. And that was one of the stories that sort of developed organically for me. That was, I, I, I mean, I was aware of her work and, and, and what she did, but it was initially part of baked into the original Electronic Arts uh, episode. But mm-hmm. then there was such an amazing, there's so many amazing things about her life uh, that, I, you know, unquestionably it sort of had to be, it, built, it grew into its own sort of thing. So, um yeah, I, I mean, for me, like that is what this project is about. It's, 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 you know, a person putting their own life experiences into the game that she designed, and and you know, dealing with things and, and personal things, and, and putting that in a game for people to experience on a, on a wholly, you know, a whole different level. So, I, she's very interesting to me because. There's a generation of people that really know her work and know how important she was to the, to the history of games. And I would say there's a whole new generation that doesn't know her work, that mm-hmm. doesn't know it well enough. So this is one small step in terms of uh, what her legacy is um, and, uh, you know, just sort of getting the word out, you know, what she did as a person and, a, and as a designer. So, um yeah, it, it just you know, again that 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 episode to me was the most personal one for me to, in terms of um, getting it right and um, get, sort of getting the word out. So I'm, I'm glad you responded to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the uh, the especially with the current state of video games with the multiplayer aspect of it being so important. Like, it's definitely a part of the history of multiplayer and inclusional game gaming that that is that had until now been lost that, that definitely needed to be talked about. So I, I appreciated it uh, immensely. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it blows my mind how far of the curve, far ahead of the curve she was in terms of thinking about these things. And, you know, she, 
I think it was in 87, 88, did Modem Wars, you know, like that was the first, mm-hmm. you know, game where it was built in where you could, you know, you know, battle someone over the internet. And people didn't have the hardware to make this happen, but she was making these games that it didn't resonate because the hardware wasn't there yet. The mentality of playing someone over, you know, online was not, was not there yet, but she was so far ahead of the curve in terms of this stuff. So she's just fascinating to me as a personality. Oh, absolutely. Um, so just kind of, uh, closing out, like with the, the, the industry stuff, like where, what do you think of the current state of the video game industry? Just as, as a, as a fan, as a player, as someone in, uh, as a, as an observer, as someone who's talked to the, uh, to the people who, who started, uh, who, who started all of this, like, what do you, what do you see now as, uh, as both a fan and someone with, with, uh, Someone who's who's talked about it, or who's who's filmed who's filmed the the history of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 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 a very mature uh, industry. I mean, meaning there's there's so many different sort of voices in it, ways to sort of express yourself. There's you know these prototypical indie games where it's like one or two people creating this sort of experience that you you know you download off of Steam. There's there's online you know there's mobile gaming which is huge now, but there's real there's real gameplay associated with that. I think people are sort of dismissive of mobile gaming, but that's that's a whole other sort of uh, a world. And then there's these huge, massive AAA games that are literally thousands of people work on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, one of the interesting things, again, you know, coming from the film world is. Up to a certain point, we talk about games in relation to movies. Like, oh, you know, the director of a movie does this, the director of a video game does this. The thing I started realizing working on this, especially, you know, when we, you know, I started talking to like the Bioware guys in Edmonton, is how big these games are, and 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 that that sort of comparison doesn't work anymore when people talk about games, yeah. but especially these huge games. They're, they're way bigger than any other sort of. Uh, movie, even, you know, Avengers or whatever, which is hundreds and hundreds of people, it's a very different paradigm now in terms of how games are created. So I'm excited to see, sort of see where it goes. I mean, there's there's that world, but then there's these, these, these small games that are developing, beautiful, and sort of that experience. So there's it's, it's hard for me to, like, even say, like, this this is where video games are. I mean, there's, there's this huge breadth of experiences and, and, and ways to, to experience things. So, um, I love it. I mean, I, lo- I love seeing seeing that happen. Um, I, you know, I love stories and storytelling and, and how people, how we, you know, listen to stories and hear stories and experience stories. And I, you know, I have I have three kids and I see how they experience stories right now. It's not only television and film; it's it's video games. And so I, you know, it's it's something that I think we should talk about and see see where things are going. So. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where where things are where things are going. Oh, absolutely! And I think like I think you definitely touched on on uh, on on that in the uh, in the Lucas Arts episode. Like there were a lot of uh, a lot of moments there that kind of looked like there was a that there was the beginning of of, of a blurring of the lines between uh, film and video games as far as uh, entertainment goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Tim Schafer. I mean, is is you know he's such a strong author, you know, author of these games that that his voice always carries through. Whether he is 
the director, the creative director, or just sort of the world he's created at Double Fine, which is his, his sort of production company, mm-hmm. um, that voice always sort of shines through. So that's what that's what I was so curious about, how that happens, how he sort of creates that environment. And what that episode is a lot about is he's sort of recreating what LucasArts used to be in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That, sort of, that sort of energy and that approach. But he... As LucasArts started growing to such a size that he couldn't sort of have that that experience anymore, he founded his own company and called Double Fine, and he sort of carries on that torch of what Lucas LucasArts used to be. So I, I'm fascinated on how he sort of developed that, created it. So that was, you know, that 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 I mean, it's a perfect example of what this this project is in terms of investigating who who Tim is and and how he, you know, his sense of humor and his approach. So, uh, uh, again, I'm glad you sort of responded to that one, too. I really appreciate that. So, um, Peter Mashar, what are you working on next? Like, what's what's next for you? That's a, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, am, I am going to really explore. Well, first I'm going to do the feature of this. Uh, that's, I'm just, I've just got the sort of web series out this week. Um, it's launching in um, in Canada in, in April, so sort of going towards that, and then recutting it into the feature for the summer. But uh, as I mentioned to you, I, I you know um, I would love to do a season two, um, really focus on Japan, maybe Europe. Some of the stories coming out of there, I think, are fascinating. There's literally hundreds of stories uh, stateside too to sort of explore too. So I would love to sort of continue this. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to sort of see what the response is, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean that would be next up. And then uh, I'm also curious on a, on a narrative side, exploring mm-hmm. these sort of themes in this world on a, in a narrative sense. Uh, there's some film ideas that I've had that that I'm exploring about um, game developers in the '80s and sort of what that world is. So those are sort of the things, uh, some of the things I'm experimenting with and playing around with where it's going to go awesome uh so if you want if uh if you wanted to be uh reached online like where could um where could people find you and where can they find the film yeah that's a great that's a good one too uh so one my personal website pmish.com um and then the other one is who are the artists uh which is uh, based on this project but in the states it's uh on topic.com which is they're the ones that are sort of distributing it in the states, and they, you know, they have a huge, you know, beautiful little microsite for for the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's launching uh, in Canada on the CBC in in, in April. So um, those are the sort of four main places that I think this thing's going to live online. But uh, my things need a little bit of work. So next week they'll they'll be up and running. And thank you, you know, for talking to me about this again. It's been like. I've been working away at this, so it's like great to get it out in the world. Uh, it's great to hear your thoughts on it, so, so I appreciate it very, very much. Oh, absolutely! I mean, it, it's it was it was sublimely engaging, for especially from a fan uh, as a, a, a fan of the industry. It just it was it was great to it, like every episode. Just as I'm, again, let me get the fanboy stuff out. It uh, I, I love anyone who kind of, who can who looks at the artistic aspects of, of that industry and this and that entire series. Just, I like the fact that I love the fact that it's called the artist, that it's not, 
know that it is about the technology and it's about the personalities, but it does, even if they don't see it, it does uh, let us as viewers see them as the artists that they are. So for that, I definitely yeah, appreciate I, I, it. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, the, the thought behind the title is, I, I like the simplicity of it. I mean, there's typically when you do these video game things, and I've done these things in the past, but, you know, I, I directed like a pilot for Vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always these like video game titles that are always like so corny to me, like Game Over. Like, well, Game Over is a good movie, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. insert coin or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I was trying to like expand it beyond that sort of dichotomy. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was trying to go for maybe it's maybe too simplistic, but I, I like the, the simplicity of the artist. So, um, and that's also inspired by you know electronic arts. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it all sort of comes together uh, in many ways. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Peter Mashara, I want to thank you again for your time. Um, I really uh, appreciate your, your taking the time to speak to me, and I appreciate the film, and I look forward to uh, to whatever project you have coming next, uh, especially if you definitely, if you do get to, to talk, uh, to deal with like the other asp- the other sides of the industry, the, the Japanese side in Europe and things like that, I'm I'm on board. So thank you so much again for your time. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's great talking to you. You too. So that was writer-director Peter Mashara, and we were talking about his his documentary series, The Artists, uh, which is an amazing uh, walk in history of the video game industry. You can find all the episodes on topic.com slash the artists. Um, you will find links to, uh, to the episodes um, in this podcast feed and on our website. And on our website, superpoweredfancast.com. I want to thank you again for listening. And come up, we're going to have another uh, interview next week with um, uh, Marvel Comics and image editor Heather Antos. So until next week, this is Darren for the Superpowered Fancast signing off. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!